0: What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Hymn Podcast. This is your host, Raul Clement, joined by my co-hosts, Josh Smith and Dustin Shue you're listening to part four of our championship series which is going to cover the 2015 team now originally this was combined with part three which covered the 2010 team but once we got done recording we realized it was a little too long so we decided to split it in two parts so if you hear any references that seem out of place it's just a product of that at any rate we really enjoyed doing the series and we hope you enjoyed listening to it and now i'm going to pass it over to josh
1: so 2015 comes around and it's remarkably different look. So in just five years, we go from starting, you know, three seniors and two juniors to now where you know the lineup kind of shifted. Um, the the most prominent lineup that that I take away from 2010 uh is you have three freshmen with Quinn Cook and Matt Jones out there. So it was Tyus Jones, Quinn Cook, Matt Jones, Justice Winslow, Jaleel Okafor there were times where justice was starting at the three and then Jefferson was in there. There were times where you had Suleiman still at the early part of the year. So very different. And the, the story for 15 is you still kind of have to go a little bit back to 14. So 2014, Jabari Parker, Rodney Hood, Duke's an offensive juggernaut, maybe our best offensive team of all time in 14. Um, that, that might sound a little, little familiar to you or unfamiliar to you now, as you think back on 14, but offensive was not our problem. Either way, so we we go into the tournament in 2014, lose to 14 seed Mercer in the first round, making that two out of three years. We lose first round. Leaves a, a awful sour taste in your mouth. Jabari leaves, Rodney leaves. Um, you know, we I think Tyler Thornton and Josh Harrison were seniors on that fourteen team, so they left. So you got Quinn Cook as kind of the real only returner. Suleiman comes with him, but you know, he didn't uh end up finishing the season with us, unfortunately. So it's really Quinn. Um, and I remember in the banquet speech after this team, that there was a really huge pivotal meeting between Quinn, his mom and coach K in that summer. And, you know, Quinn was kind of, you know, he had just had a huge sophomore campaign in 2013, then kind of gets demoted a little bit in 2014. And K says that he wants him to be the leader, um, that he wants him to lead this, this group. And that's where, you know, if you're familiar with the story, um, you know, UConn wins it all in 14. Quinn sends the, the little tweet out to Tyus saying, yo, that's going to be me and you next year, little bro. Cause Shabazz Napier and then boys,
0: uh, UConn, yeah, yeah.
1: right won it in 14. Um, so, you know, we start the year, huge recruiting class. Number one, you know, you get the, the package of Tyus and Jaleel that's, you know, 14 days later, I think justice also commits, um, then we rounded out with Grayson Allen, who might actually have been the first commit, I want to say, of that
0: class. Yeah, um, he committed uh, in the spring. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like several months earlier, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, along with Quinn, you have Matt Jones coming back to join them, Emil Jefferson, Marshall Pumley, and Rasheed, who was dismissed from the program in the end of January, right after that Notre Dame game. So, you know, we start the season off electric. We're 14-0 a lot of y'all probably remember the huge game at Wisconsin to start the year. I think they were number two in the country at that time, and you know Wisconsin is not a great place to to go and play if you're you're an opponent. Um, but we really that just from the get go. I remember talking to my buddy Chef, Shout out to Chef. Right after that happened, we looked at each other and we were like, "Yeah, Tyus is gone." Right, like this this group is just different. You know what we were running, what we were doing. You know, it was we just kind of. We went in there and just kind of beat the brakes off of them. really. It was close, but we just kind of controlled the game. We were physical. Um, you know, Okafor was really kind of working Kaminsky there. And so we start out 14-0. We're undefeated in the non-conference. Um, we start conference play. Had a big win at Wake. Then we had the setback, right? So we're 14 and 0, and then we lose back to back games to NC State and Miami. And these weren't just like losses, these, these were blowouts, bad yeah. losses. I mean, these were real, especially that Miami one, too, where we just couldn't stop pick and roll. Um, hadn't kind of just no answer. Was that it. the that, Angel
2: Rodriguez Miami? Yeah, that team? Was,
1: yeah. yep. Um, and then I guess for NC State, would that have been, um, it's
2: not, it's not Lorenzo, that would have been
1: Cat Barber, Cat Barber. And yeah.
2: Rodney Purvis,
1: somebody else Ooh, was Rodney there before Rodney transferred might have been con yeah Rodney or maybe it was after each I don't remember um but yeah I think you're right I think he was there
0: either way um, it was quick guards who could kind of exploit Okafor in the pick and roll there yeah because that was not his strength was moving in space
1: no to to put it lightly right that was not the um the, the strong suit there so we go to Notre Dame. Uh, we kind of get handed to us. Notre Dame just has our number this season for whatever. It, really, there's a stretch of like three years from like 2014 to like 2016 where we just couldn't beat Notre Dame for whatever. Was it the Bonzi Colson
2: like years?
0: That yep. was the, yeah, you know, from 92 <laughs> yeah. to 14. Um, <laughs> yeah, having him as a, having Bonzi out there as a stretch five was like, you know, that was hard for us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's.
1: It, it was like 30, 20 too. like he was not just, yeah. beating us; he was just feasting against us for whatever reason, but whatever we get out of the Notre Dame loss, um, some controversy around Rashid, um, gets dismissed from the program. The only player that I'm aware of that Kay has ever kind of dismissed from the program, mm-hmm. um, puts us down to, we're pretty, we're pretty thin. And that's when the, the whole mantra of eight is enough. Kind of started, which I mean, if you're if you can tap back into that space, you probably remember that kind of the eight turn sideways infinity, whatever it was a whole kind of motivational thing. So we finished the regular season 28 and three. Uh, key wins against Michigan State, Wisconsin, Louisville was a huge pivotal game right after that Notre Dame. And, and we go on the road. Emil Jefferson was huge um, in that game, Tyus was Tyus had had a big win over virginia who was undefeated and number one in the country at the time and uh probably one of my favorite games to go yeah, back and watch because yeah. we just couldn't right. hit any threes and then cook hits two tyus has this insane kind of like kick out where it gets kicked back out to the top of the perimeter and he knows justice yeah, oh, just, yeah that was just phenomenal um and then obviously that's kind of that's probably when like the birth of stones really happened. I mean, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, yep. you saw it a little bit, but that dagger the shot he over Hill. Yeah, man, that was tough. Um, that was, well, yeah.
0: Emil started it with, uh, I don't want to get too explicit, but with his gesture on the sideline there. You <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Justice like stops and crouches right. down,
1: and Joel's going nuts. Um, you know, that was the not even the black jerseys could hold us back that year. Did you, so, did you
0: mention uh, the UNC games yet? Cause no, of those uh, were big.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I was just going to say we swept UNC.
0: The first UNC
1: game is the one that always gets all the buzz kind of like nationally. I actually hate rewatching that game, mainly because we would go up so big and then we lose a huge lead. We kind of get like we get down in a hole. Okafor has the sprained ankle.
0: Our transition defense was garbage in that game.
1: Yeah, they just blitzed us. And ironically, it was pretty much with everyone on the bench. I think Winslow was on the bench. Okafor was on the bench. And, like, Grayson, Matt Jones, Tyus, and, like, Emil and, like, Marshall just, like, really came in and gave us some huge minutes. Matt was, like, the uh, the specialist of that little kind of, like, almost traveling but, like, hop step back for a three kind of, like, before Harden really kind of just made that a huge thing. Um, he hit, like, two in that game, just, just huge shots. But, uh, so, yeah, we sweep UNC. Um, that's always nice one of the big things too with when Rashid kind of got dismissed was it allowed Winslow to move to the four and that's what to me unlocked this Duke team because we basically were playing him as some sort of like free safety on defense he was kind of like he got the Draymond treatment where like this is your guy but you're allowed to roam And he was allowed to just make reads and get in lanes. And, you know, whatever Kay said to him, like, he really unlocked justice to me, I think. Because he had justice just at one point, like, he was just grabbing balls off the rim and going coast to coast. Like, Euros, done, like, it was reckless and wild, but his finishing was just absurd. I don't know if we just happened to have, like, Unicorn Winslow for a year there, but he was hitting three, pretty much doing it all.
2: He eliminated all of his mid range shots, right? Yes. Like basically, when three pointers or layups, ducks.
0: Yeah. And he started hitting all his threes, too. That was the Mm -hmm. other thing. Is not only did Justice of the Four improve our defense because he was able to do, you know, the roaming, like you were saying, and kind of offset Okafor's weaknesses, but on offense, it really unlocked him because he was always going to be faster than whoever is guarding him at the four. I remember at one point, um, there was an article that Laura Keeley had written. Um, she used to be like the beat reporter um, yep. where she interviewed justice. And he said something like, I just realized one day that nobody can stop me from getting to the rim. And that was like, that was the moment. Yeah. And it
1: just, uh, and, you know, similar to, to other teams. I mean, we just fundamentally very sound. Um, didn't turn the ball over a whole lot. Um, you know, rebounded 36% of our misses. Our effective field goal percentage, though, is what was just so good. I mean, mm. we our shooting. I mean, our two point percentage was number four in the country. Um, we were top twenty five in three point percentage. Um, you know, another thing too is that we just did not foul. We did not foul. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were fourth in the country in free throws um, allowed. So compared in relation to field goal attempts, didn't play super fast either. You know, a lot faster than twenty ten. I mentioned they were 229th. We're 104. So, you know, kind of like upper third, you know, um, nothing like 01 or, or, you know, those early 90 teams, but, you know, a little bit faster. So they head into to the uh, the NCAA tournament. Um, Well, let's let's backtrack a little bit here. Started out with the ACC tournament and that's the one of my favorite games, too. We started out playing NC State. If you remember just a little bit ago, I told you how they kind of embarrassed us a little bit earlier in the season. Uh, <laughs> the famous Winslow quote, he goes up to Cat Barber like at tip off and he's like, you boys ain't ready for this. And we just throttled them, dude. I mean, I think at one point, Grayson's throwing like no look lobs to Marshall and it's just getting way out of hand. Um, Unfortunately, we didn't handle that very well because we turned right back around and who do we see? Notre Dame. Um, and so, you know, they they beat us yet again. Uh, unfortunately, I remember that because I, I had tickets to go to the championship game and my uncle, uh, or maybe he's like my second, cut, third cousin or whatever he is. Either way, he's a, big, he's a Carolina grad, big fan. And uh, we were down there visiting and they were getting ready to go to the game. And he was talking that he bought his tickets from a Duke fan. Um, so it was it was nice to see that Notre Dame also kind of gave them the business that year as well. <laughs> so you know, shout out to them. But you know second loss to Notre Dame that year and Mike Bray being at Notre Dame, Kay is pretty notorious for not losing to his former assistants, but for whatever reason Bray has the the formula or he did not so much yeah. not so much anymore. but uh
0: but that Notre Dame team was no joke either. They I were mean,
1: really good. they almost
0: they almost knocked off Kentucky. should so. have knocked off should Kentucky. Have yeah,
1: yeah, they had them boys. Um, yeah, that was a really good Notre Dame team. So we finished the we finished the year overall 35 and 4, but just like 2010, we enter the NCAA tournament, number one seed in the South. Um, but we start out, we beat Robert Morris, 85, 56, and Charlotte, shoot, me and you were at that game. I think Shelf yep. was with us too.
2: Shuffle's with us. Um, yeah.
1: Cook leads the way, 22, 5, 4 and 3, just dominant. Um, also Plumlee put up a double-double in this game, so it was never really close. I think the only main storyline that I really remember watching it is Ja blowing a wide-open dunk and (laughs) Kay yanking him for that. I don't know if you remember that or not. but uh, And then so we go on and we play San Diego State, and for some reason in hindsight, I was like really worried about this game. I don't really know why, (laughs) Um, but I was just really... Because maybe just the way that they played, and they were real physical and just old, and they had a bunch of athletes, but... Uh, we blow them out 68 yeah, to 49. That was
0: another one that was over real fast. Yeah, um, it was real fast. I, I remember hearing that they uh, that they had the flu or something. And if you rewatch that game, you can kind of tell they just don't seem to have They're it.
1: They're slow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ja has 26 and six. Winslow is just the, you know, the stat stuffer 13, 12, 5, 4, 3, you know, just whatever he wanted to do. Um, ended up not even being close. Actually, our closest game comes up, so we go to the Sweet 16 down in Houston. Little uh, little homecoming there for for Justice. We play Utah, and if you don't remember, that was a pretty good Utah a, team. They had
2: what three NBA guys on that?
1: Or, yeah, what we yeah. say? It was Kuzma, Pirtle, and, and um, the guard Dewan Wright.
0: Wright. Right, was yeah. like
1: he was their best player. Like six five, could really do it all. He got in some really bad foul
0: trouble, but yeah, all three of those guys are like starting level NBA players.
1: Yeah. No, they were, they were good. Um, and when this was, you know, when I think of this team, um, this or this regional, this is like the Winslow moment, right? Like we go to Houston. It's in his backyard. Uh, we started against Utah. He goes for 21 and 10. Um, to me, there's also a funny thing. If y'all remember this, this it was like a, a weird Emil Jefferson moment <laughs> where he catches the ball on the posts and like no one's guarding him, right? And he like looks and he turns and he like fake passes and then he looks back and then just goes and dribbles and dunks it like it's like 10 seconds i swear of just like game clock and he's just made i think he's just like you know you're just gonna give me the rim there's also a weird little uh controversy there with like vegas and the odds makers if y'all remember that so the game had ended and they called some kind of weird little foul where we actually had to come back out and shoot free throws or something like or utah did or Whatever it was, I think it flipped it to where it made it where the line was a push or a cover, and it right, wouldn't yikes. have been. Uh, it was this huge, like the game had been over, and like going to the lockers, and they brought us back out. I don't know if you remember. Feels feels
0: a little suspicious. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that was a little kind of sketch. Um Also, I think that game broke Cook's streak where he had had like. Oh, it was like over a hundred game or like yeah. of course like a hundred games with a made three or something in it. Um and that one that was the one that that broke it. But you know, you probably, probably trade that for for the for the win. We go to the Elite Eight. Um, you know, have this is Gonzaga, but it's not really the Gonzaga that we know now. This was starting that kind of progress for them. It started that moment for them. Um they had the guy from Kentucky. Uh what was it? Wilcher, I think Kyle that was Wilcher, on that team. Yeah. Kevin Pangos and the big Pain. guy. Uh, uh just Karnowski or something like that. Oh, I the think big, was, yeah, the big bearded they white two, guy they had yeah, two had yeah. two really big guys on there. Yeah. Um you know, we, we we kinda handled this game. We we won sixty six to fifty two. It got close that was there. the Matt Jones game, right? Matt, yeah. Matt was awesome. I mean, yeah. Matt was awesome. He was four for seven from three. Um Justice was was huge. He had a, some two huge like late corner threes. Um uh, sorry the, to interrupt, but uh
0: they had Sabonis on that team too. Sabonis, that's it yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, so he bigs. was he yeah. was coming off the bench, so yeah, easy to forget. But yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember Wilcher missed it like a bunny layup and Ja goes coast to coast against like three Gonzaga players. And he like from the three point line, he takes his left dribble and just holds the ball above his head yeah. as he's just running to the basket. Um, also one of the coolest kind of like heady plays from Tyus in that game where I don't remember the ball goes out of bounds and he jumps up and throws, throws it down Sabonis or the yeah. other big guy. So that was pretty cool too. So yeah, you know, we really kind of handled these guys. We move on. We you know we cut the nets. We go to uh, go back to Indy. So that's always always nice for Duke. Um,
0: Uh, Before before you move on, that was the Gonzaga game. Was that's the like Matt Jones steals the ball near the end, gets a layup, and that's when K turns and points to the crowd, and it's like we're going to Indy. We're going to Indy. Yep. That's a moment that sticks out to me.
1: And especially because you can see Grayson right there too. And he's just, well, he just lights up and he's smiling yeah. and he's, he's, and he also has the moment with Winslow where he like kind of dabs to like Winslow is almost like, didn't think Kay was going to do that and be demonstrative like that. Um, it's always really cool when you see Kay kind of have those like human, like where he gets out of the, the, the robotic kind of thing or yeah, where where he he's so be- locked in. becomes
0: more like a cheerleader for the
1: team, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So we we head to the the final four. We're matched up against Michigan State. Now, Michigan State, they weren't seeded very well. Um, Again, not to just crap all over Izzo, but Michigan State entered the season as a top 10, top 15 team. They were 15th in Ken Palm when we played them early in the year. Um, So we played them third game of the season. Might not remember that game too much. Duke pretty much handled that game too. We beat them by 10. So we have a rematch here, and uh, actually, we watched this game shoot uh, at Shuff's old place where he was living with Jeff. Y'all came down, and the game starts. And like, you know, I'm I'm a little of the of the half empty kind of guy. the The game starts. Denzel Valentine hits like two or three threes. They go up like eight or ten, and I'm just like, "All right, we weren't ready to play. You know, (laughs) this is over."
0: Um, Vintage Smitty.
1: The moment I say that, we go on a twenty to four run or something, and just blow the doors off of them. Um, no, all right. Beer pong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, pretty much. Pretty <laughs> now much. We're good. And, but I think the story there though, is in hindsight is, and it, not that this was his first big game. He had a huge game against Wake on senior night, but in the tournament, Grayson comes into the Michigan state game, goes for nine and five, had the three, had the one where he misses the three on the corner, gets the rebound. Done. Done. Yep. Almost missed it, but you know, he got it. Um, rim grazer, right? We beat him by 20, but that when you go back and you know what's going to happen in Wisconsin, this kind of like set the stage of if Grayson doesn't get that many minutes, if we're not blowing them out and he's not allowed to kind of play, play loose, get a feel for the court for the four out there. Um, does he even have that moment against Wisconsin? Let's just pause there. What do y'all think? How critical was that for him to have nine and five to play, you know, 15 20 minutes in a final four game? To set up, is he able to do that against Wisconsin if we don't have Michigan State there?
0: I feel like Kay did a really great job on uh, bringing him along at the end of the year in general. Mm -hmm. So maybe he would have been able to do it anyway. Um, Because I felt like uh, if, if, you know, I haven't looked at the minutes, but if you were probably to compare his minutes in the first half of the season to like that last month or so, I'm sure there was a huge jump. So, you know, and he's he was always a confident guy to begin with. So maybe he he would have been able to do it. But certainly I thought Kay was pretty masterful with how he managed the rotation once uh Suleiman was dismissed.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's I mean, once Suleiman was gone, you know, if you look back on that season early on, there were a lot of DNPs beside Grayson's name. Um, you know, those games that he weren't getting into. But then again, whenever they called his name, I mean there was was it Wake Forest he he came in scorched them for like twenty seven. He was beating them uh, a
1: half, I think. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. So um, I think just the com- the competitor in him, uh, regardless of if he had played a minute up until that point or not, he was just going to give it all he had. And I think he knew in that moment, like they just they needed some kind of spark from somewhere, and uh, he could be that guy to give it to him.
0: Yeah. Do you yeah. remember? Uh, I think Justice said that he hated playing against him in practice <laughs> and yeah. he used an expletive to describe him. so we're keeping this <laughs> show clean but <laughs>
1: yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um, and another thing too before we talk about Wisconsin is I think it's we we look back super fondly on this team and I've really loved this team too. It just it was at a period where I think kind of similar to 2010 how just the fan base kind of just needed it for that reassurance of like validation of who we are, you know 15 felt like that too. But also just, I look back and I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, like this seems like the recipe for a a title team, third in offense, 11th in defense. But we were like sub 60 in defense at one point. Like we were not a good defensive team for like, we were an okay defensive team for like early part of the year. And then we cratered like really, really hard. Like even when we were winning, we were giving up a ton of points. Virginia Tech almost be like Okafor had like 35 or whatever it was. And they're still kind of hanging there, hanging there. Um, But in the
0: tournament. That game went to overtime, I think.
1: Yeah. And then the tournament hits and we like, we finished 11th in defense, but we were like by far, I think the number one defense in the country, like yep. by the time at the finish of the tournament. Um you know, cause we played some really good offensive teams in there in Gonzaga and obviously Wisconsin is just a historically great offensive team. If you, you know, just to usually the team that ends up winning the title, uh, typically if you go back and look on Ken Palm, like they're always going to finish number one, we won the title. We're a really good team. We still finished third. That's behind Kentucky behind Wisconsin. Um, you know, if you're an advanced stats kind of guy, you know, Wisconsin with a 129 adjusted offensive rate is just absurdly good, really good. Maybe, you know, people said at the time, and I think this is what I would kick back on is, again, like 2010, it's do got lucky because they didn't have to face Kentucky. But I'm not so sure we got that lucky because Wisconsin was just tremendous um, offensively, and they had the revenge factor, and I didn't want to play Wisconsin because of that. Because we had just, we not just, but earlier in the year, we go up to their place and beat them. Um, now, and we got lucky off, that we uh, didn't have
2: to play Notre Dame's. What happened?
1: That's what really <laughs> happened. Yeah, like I yeah. mean, because like
2: you said, Notre Dame should have beat Kentucky, in the, was that the Elite Eight game? Yeah, it was, I believe. um yep. And for yep. whatever reason, they had our number that year because yeah, two of our losses were to them.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, and I, I want to draw a little bit of a, a parallel. Um, Maybe I'll do it after we talk about the game. But so we, we beat Michigan State handily 81-61. We're gearing up for Monday night, rematch against Wisconsin. I remember, and if you go back and watch the the intros to this game, I was really worried because it's showing our player intros and we look pretty nervous. Like if you see Tyus' face, you see Jaws face, you see her, and we just... The moment was huge. Um, and a lot of the game, I think we kind of saw that where we were kind of tight and we just weren't really running fluid stuff. You know, the Wisconsin kind of first half is back and forth. Grayson played well, Quinn was really good in the first half, Tyus was pretty good. Kaminsky kind of really got the better of Ja in this game. You know, he got him in foul trouble. Um, he was moving, he was really flashing to the three point line and flashing to space a lot in this game. Um start the second half and we just get knocked back we go down nine uh and that's really i think this where this kind of game story takes place is we get knocked back we go down nine here comes grayson allen and so he comes in hits a shot and then immediately has the probably the biggest play in the game where he gets the real he gets the steal on the baseline or on the sideline sidelines he's going towards our basket they're kind of fighting for it Ends up knocking it out of bounds, gets fouled, and he looks over at the team and he's just yelling like, let's go, let's go. And that that sparked us. So Grayson comes in off the bench, has 16 points. I think he scored what eight or nine in a row there. Yeah. Like two threes, had a and like two eleven. Yeah, yep. Yep. Yeah, and then the M1. And the coolest part to me, and I think this might have been Kay's like single greatest, like or up there with his in-game moments of just trusting that and calling sets saying, you know, give Grayson the ball, high ball screen, right? Give Grayson the ball, high ball screen, give, give Tyus the ball, high ball screen. And I think Kay actually credits that to Jeff Capel um, of saying that he was seeing something in their defense of like, you know, Hey coach, we need to give Tyus the ball and just run high ball screens and just let him make reads, let him kind of pick this apart. And you see that in the second half where not only does Jock come out and set a ball screen, if Tyus doesn't like it, he refuses it and tells him to come set another one, you know? And he's, like, double setting just to get his spots. And And Wisconsin
0: keeps keeps going under. They They keep going under,
1: they keep sagging, and he hit, like, two or three. Um, One was a three was the huge dagger, but he hit two more just, like, mid-range twos where he just goes right up, and they just couldn't handle it. Um, And they never really adjusted, you know? I mean... Ryan was pretty had some pretty salty takes after this game. I'm not going to entertain yep. all of that, but the saltiest he should have been in his is his failure to adjust his defense. He just watched it happen.
0: He didn't um, adjust his offense either. Like I know that nope. was a big thing where they were down and they needed to stop running clock like they always did. Cause you know they played really slow and they're they're yep. out there taking 30 seconds to execute their shots while they're down six with like a minute and a half left. So, you know, yep. on both sides. Pretty yeah, bad and,
1: coaching, and we had some really great defensive um sequences there late in the game. Some ball denials, and it was almost like it yeah, was Matt, almost Matt like Matt we and
0: Emile Jefferson.
1: Yeah, yeah, we kind of had this like no. It was a, like a modified no middle defense where everything mm-hmm. they were doing was so far out that none of their guys could get. Ar- and they right. didn't have a guy that wanted that shot, you know. So you, a lot of those late threes, those late
0: shots they were taken. Um, I remember I think, Emile uh defending. Kaminsky one-on-one in yep. the post pretty well. Uh, he was like fronting and yep. they couldn't get a pass into him. And that might have been the shot clock violation, obviously.
1: And that that was the other thing too. I was gonna, I'm glad you mentioned that because Grayson comes in and gets the offensive kind of credit and spark for doing that. Ja getting in foul trouble and Emil coming in and guarding Frank was really what did it because he was kind of feasting there for a little bit. Um, and then it allows Ja to come back in fresh and he gets the up and under and one where Kaminsky's trying to wrap him up. He gets yep. an offensive rebound and a kick out. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, those two guys were huge. Tyus, you know, stones whiz forever here, right? Onions 23 and from five. The guy. Yep. Onions from the little guy. Um, one of the kind of cool stats from this is comparing it to 2010, where I asked you, you know, about the freshmen. Only freshmen scored in the second half. No non freshmen scored the entire second half of this title game playing against, you know, a bunch all of these older guys. Yeah,
2: veterans. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, who had just beaten, you know, undefeated Kentucky. So, you know, Kentucky's sitting there at 38 0. They go in and just beat Kentucky. And this is kind of what I wanted to for us to talk about a little bit, but the comparison of 2015 Wisconsin to 91 Duke. And so we talked a lot when Raul was doing the 91 season about you know, what it meant for them to lose in 90, but then what it meant for them to be able to beat UNLV in 91 and then turn around and get it done against Kansas. Well, Wisconsin kind of has a parallel moment there, right? Like their UNLV is Kentucky, and then we're sitting on the other side and they couldn't quite summon it again. And I I was just kind of thinking as we were going through this, I'm curious for you all, like does that, do you make any parallels between that Wisconsin team beating a juggernaut and not getting it done versus duke was beating UNLV and able to what what's the difference I guess there in those two teams.
0: I mean the interesting thing is that that Wisconsin in this situation was going up a really against a really young team, you would have think if anybody would have the psychological advantage it'd be Wisconsin there. You know they're playing a team of almost nothing but freshmen. But yeah, I I, I couldn't tell you exactly what the difference was. Maybe the difference was duke Maybe it's just the difference was how hungry that 15 team was for every reason, uh, for whatever reason, and like our chemistry or something. Because uh, that Duke team, just the 2015 team, didn't lose a big game all year. When you think about it, I mean, I guess the closest you could argue would be second round of the ACC tournament. Because it would have been nice to win an ACC title and cap it off, winning every possible tournament we could have that year. But you know, we beat UNC twice. Um, Despite being down in both games, we beat Wisconsin on the road. We beat uh, Michigan State on a neutral. We beat Virginia, you know, high highly ranked Virginia on the road. So, I think the difference might have just been the opponent. You know, that Kansas just wasn't at the level of 2015 Duke. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think that I'm not sure that 2015 Duke would have lost to UK either.
1: Yeah, we were especially at that point in the year. Right. Like we were just so, so well sound um, on both ends of the ball. And oddly enough, you know, Wisconsin enters this, this title game as the favorites, right? So the betting line is Wisconsin minus one. um, And I talked about how historically great their offense is. And so, you know, on the season, they have 129 adjusted offensive efficiency. And this game, we held them to 103.3, whereas we were 111.5. Absurd ups like that game alone like i would have to go back and try to look and, and pull the the game by game stats but i bet that game alone probably accounted for about a nine spot defensive bump which is really hard to do
0: that late in the season um yes yeah, so you brought back the defense back up i wanted to mention that i pulled up uh bart torvik because that's the one where you can go through go. like month by month and i pulled up 2015 and i did just the tournament um so technically, we were only second in defense in the tournament. However, the first-place team was Butler, and they lost in the second round. So uh, I don't really, yeah. just two games. Maybe they had one really great defensive game. Yeah. But of the teams who won at least you know, three or four games, were far and away the best. The second-best would be Kentucky. Um, and our offense was still 11th. It was still at 124, so that's not shabby. You know, Our offense did fall off a little bit in the tournament, but the fact that we were able to... Make that amazing defensive jump. If there's anything, if there's any such thing as a team getting defensively hot, that's what happened to us.
1: Absolutely. I mean, four of our six opponents didn't hit, didn't hit 60. One of those didn't even hit 50. And the other two that did hit 60 scored 61 and we beat them 81, 61. And then Wisconsin scored 63. And that's one of the greatest offenses of all time. That's just remarkable. Um, especially if you go back and watch just any highlights. I don't recommend it, but if you watch anything from that Miami and NC state game. And then you see the defense that we're playing here. That's only like a month and a half ago right? at this point, right? Like maybe two months because this is like early April. Um, just just wild. And I mentioned the Winslow thing where he slides to the four. He goes to the four. We finished the season 18-1. and one. The only loss to that, um, that Notre Dame team again in the ACC tournament. Uh, this time, Tyus Stone's final four, most outstanding player. You know, just a, easy decision. <laughs> easy decision on that one. Uh, I did want to ask you though, too. Is this the best Duke jersey that we've had? The 2015 Road Blues. The Blues up there is the, I mean, that's my, that's one of my like, uh, my top favorites right there.
2: I mean, I do like the new, the Brotherhoods. The Brotherhoods are dope for sure. I do like the new Brotherhoods.
1: But these Um, were our colors though, too. You know, that Navy is kind of stretching it a little bit in terms of is it really our colors? And I know
2: Raul loved those, uh, those ones that had the weird shoulder thing that i think Paulus and
1: McRoberts might have <laughs> wore for a year they, oh, did, I, I was, did i i'm kidding i'm kidding know, those are I the know. worst oh, yeah. i can't even you're remember you're talking that. about like the cable one right like where it has no they, like, the...
2: no, no not the i think this was uh, Nike did it for everybody one year it was just like a little like almost a shark tooth in the don't yeah, know. yeah, I remember. Oh, 08, or 09, somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, you remember the one with the
0: chapel on the back? Yeah, that, that was the
1: 10. Yeah, Ooh, the I 10s. love those. Though. I kind of like those.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wasn't a fan. Uh, the, my other nominations would be, I think, if you look at the Road Blues from 2004, they look pretty slick. Yeah. And yeah. then if you look at the Road Blues actually from the early 90s, yeah, you know, because I just saw a lot of those games, they look pretty slick too. Yeah,
1: yeah. That, I think that's why I really like these is because it like, I remember the first time when we were trotting them out and then I remember we wore them at like at Syracuse yeah. um, and like Winslow comes out and like, and for a split second, it's just like a flashback of Grant Hill at Duke, right? Yeah. Like and wearing that colorway. Um, for some reason, I don't know why Nike didn't, didn't release those, but yeah. they know more about marketing than I do. So maybe there's a, a reason for that. But last question here for you all before we kind of wrap up our, our series here. Where does where do you rank Quinn Cook amongst the all time leaders and captains at Duke? You know we've had a lot, um, but I think it would be hard to argue that too many guys were a better leader than Cook was here in '15. So, for you all, kind of where's he at for you? Top five, top ten? Where does he fall?
0: Oh uh, yeah, I thought of uh, some names that would be in his tier, but I don't know if you'd argue they're above him or not. I would say Battier is definitely above him. For me yeah. as a leader. That's number one, right? Like, yeah. Universal. And then are you, do you agree, Shu? Yeah. 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 Um, and then Shire would probably be he's got to be up there too. But I'm not sure that Shire's a better leader than Cook. Probably about equal. Um, but then I I don't think that there's anyone on the 91 or 92 team that I would say is a better leader than Cook. I don't feel that they did it. They they weren't really rallying around a leader in the same way. You know, I mean, I guess that Hurley and Leitner both had their moments as leaders, but they could be pretty confrontational. They weren't necessarily people who like united the team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess I'd put Cook maybe up there like third, second. Ranking yeah. leader seems weird, but what about you? Two? Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean... Uh, what what's the time we going back just from in the title
1: teams? Oh, I'm just thinking like in uh, Kay's entire era. I mean. oh, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about like
2: Dawkins and some of those guys.
1: Uh, You know, Amaker was yeah. was pretty
2: strong. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd say he's definitely in in the top, maybe not top five, but five to ten range. I'd say he's right around
1: there at five. Could be, yeah. And, you know, we said Battier is kind of considered universal number one. I could make the case that if we isolate this season, that Quinn's number one. And that's strictly just because of how many of those other guys had to deal with four huge freshmen coming in, three freshman starters also yeah. coming in, right? And kind of being the only upperclassman, the only senior on the team. Um, and Quinn had
2: actually lost his starting spot for a little while there. Early in that season didn't, Was it that year or was it the year before Maybe I'm thinking The year before
1: 14 He had And that's one of my You know Not to and No one's perfect And you know What do I know But one of my bigger Criticisms of K Was that management Of Quinn in 14 Because he was so good In 13 um, sure. Running the offense His assist to turnover Ratio He's like 14 13 ball ACC
2: As a sophomore y- Yeah Yeah And
1: then, and then, and then 14 four, we, Yeah We kind of rolled the ball To Jabari and Rodney And Rodney And said you know f- Pick one um, Yeah But you know kind of kind of neutered
0: him a little bit, you know, what he was good at. Like Yeah. Yeah.
1: And part of it could have been on Quinn too. He talked a little bit about just mm-hmm. his, you know, inconsistency and immaturity at times of trying to figure out, you know, his his place there. But yeah, you know, for me, I think, you know, it, it's it would be top five for sure, probably number two. Um, definitely in terms of just likability and, and what he meant for the program. So we've talked about these major kind of like um recruiting recruiting pieces of you know johnny dawkins we talked about carwell with you know connor um we talked about nolan smith and i think right after nolan quinn coming on the back end of that just as because quinn probably doesn't come up Nolan doesn't come right that's kind of the, and so he was really huge into kind of revamping that duke culture um you know and so i think he he did he deserves to to be up there with the with the best but and
2: and we didn't hit on it in the 2010 section but I mean Nolan almost left you yeah know, when when Johnny yeah. left to take the Stanford job you know Johnny was Nolan's Godfather and uh I think he thought really hard about
0: you know going with him um which I'm glad he didn't obviously yeah for sure um but and I mean I think that Quinn having seen that uh because Quinn considered transferring too um you know, maybe not to the extent that Nolan did, but, you know, having Nolan there as kind of a mentor who had already been through all the difficulties, I think was really helpful for Quinn because, you know, they're so tight and just, he could kind of guide him and say, look, if if you stick with it, it's going to pay off. Yep.
1: And we talked about like Leitner's um, like banquet speech, the most powerful one I've ever seen is Quinn's. Yeah. Like far and away, because he starts the sentence. And he's talking about like growing up. He's talking about what Kay does to him. And he, if you don't know, like Quinn's dad passed when he was younger and he starts a sentence where he's about to say, you were like my father. And he stops and he says, you were my father. That like, I get like chills and tears. Like every time I watch, like it's such a powerful moment. Um, couldn't imagine what's going on for Kay hearing that, right? Like that has to be, you know, just that that might be better than actually winning it, you know, hearing stuff like that. I'm a huge sappy guy when it comes to sports stuff. I love those kind of storylines. Um, so, you know, shouts to Quinn for that one. But as, as we get ready to wrap up here and get out of here and wrap up this series, just a brief discussion, I guess, about what were the major takeaways from you all as we kind of went back through and kind of deep dived a little bit into these teams. If there's like a theme, um, you know, was there a takeaway across the board? For me, I'll just start. It was kind of the, the adversity that each team kind of faced, right? For each team, there was something, whether it's Bobby going down and Grant having to run point, um, whether it's Boozer going out and sliding Duhan in, no guards in 2010, right? And just dealing with all of that, Zubek started coming up, the huge emergence there. 15, Rashid gets dismissed, Winslow goes to the four. So there's adversity across each one, but I'm, I'm curious for you all, is there a takeaway as you went through this process? Do you feel different about any of these teams or or what do you got? Uh, I mean, for me, I think it's just the the contrasts of each
2: title team. Like what Coach K was able to do is he can adapt to each roster, right? It's not like he's, and I'm not gonna name a certain school right down the road, but he doesn't have one formula that he's only gonna run for 30 years, right? 91, we're, we're doing this. 01, we're doing this. 2010, we're doing something different. So th- that's kind of what, you know, five titles in, in almost five completely different ways.
0: Yeah, um, for me, I think it's, um, and sorry if I'm stepping on your toes with anything, but I think it's the the effect of adversity, um, whether it's in-season adversity or, uh, you know, adversity leading up to the title. As we've seen kind of in, in each of these uh, episodes that we've done, there's always a backstory to how these teams came to win the title. You know, it's whether it's losing in 1990 to UNLV or whether it's, you know, losing to Mercer, just that's the through line for me. It's like, you have to go through something to kind of get hungry enough and focused enough to, you know, be able to win six games in a row.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great point too. Cause I was talking about like in season adversity, but yeah, the, the, the hardened, the battle hardened. And mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if it has to be a whole team, you know, maybe Quinn himself was able to channel enough of that kind of just to say like, look this right. is our goal. This is what we're going to do. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said for how do you handle the moment and you don't know until you've been in it. And and so, you know, each of those teams kind of had that. And th- I think as a fan, that's what frustrates me a lot now is we don't have that as my and no fault to the, the guys on the teams, you know, go make money, go do what you got to do. If I would have hit the mega millions the other night, you wouldn't see me here right now, you know? <laughs> so like go get where the money's at. But like, I'm thinking of a guy like kills um, specifically or, or Wendell that like, you know, some of these teams, those guys are the returners and they have this kind of like grit in your mouth from not just losing in the final four, but losing in the Carolina in the final four. And then that carries um, it's one reason why I think Roach could just have a huge year coming up just, one, because he was awesome in the tournament, but two, because that lingers on you, right? Like that sticks, that stays, lingers. Um, <laughs> um, and so, you know, maybe he can, can channel some Quinn and, and just really kind of bridge that for them. But, uh, I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and, and kind of wrap up. I know we went kind of long here. Uh, anything else from you all as we kind of wrap up the series? It's been a lot of fun doing this, going back and watching some of these, these games. Yeah, it's uh
2: when you go back and watch these games obviously the 2015 and 2010 ones are better to watch just because the quality of the game you know if you guys watch any of the 01 and 91 92 the 91 92 I might as well have been playing Tech mobile on my Super Nintendo
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah the HD is not not there <laughs> yeah you get the grainy VHS transfers and stuff but yeah yeah it's kind of punked me up to watch uh to watch Wisconsin. Actually, I haven't watched that in a while, so that may be on the agenda later tonight.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I, I, I watch a lot of games, like a lot of old games anyway, but uh, some of these tournament games I hadn't watched in a, a long time. I have the whole 15 run. Um, not HD though, you know, that's just the, the way it goes. But uh, yeah, and I guess, you know, as we look forward to the, the John Shire era, when's the next one going to be? When do we get to do another one of these? I
2: hope soon. I mean, I'd like to catch one and I'm not, I don't want to, you know, put a curse on us. Smitty and I have already done that before. So, uh, you know, won't make any definitive, but hopefully in the next couple of years, three or four.
0: I don't care. I'm going to risk it. Um, I'm going to say 23 24 is the season. Okay. I like that class a lot. the 2023 class. So just two years from now. So I'm going to be bold. And if it doesn't happen, the program falls off a cliff. Everybody can blame me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Um, Yeah, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to, to kind of look down the road um, I, I really love i think it's the 24 25 class. yeah the, that's a... the cooper flag the cameron boozer caden boozer cloud like that would be one like if those guys come together um yeah, the issue the with that is we haven't well. actually landed them so In i don't want like, yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know and who knows either these guys are 15 right 16 right, right now so they still got a little ways out but I, I like the potential for next year and um hopefully you know I'm available to pod on April 3rd. So, you know, we can it can nice. be in yeah. you know
0: nine months from now if we wanted it. You know, that'd be fine too. But live from uh wherever they're holding it. I don't know what yeah, next year's time management. Is, is it in Atlanta? Where is it next year? I can't remember. Well so if it's not if it's not Indy or uh, Minneapolis, apparently it's if it's Indy. It's indie, not good for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the right? yeah, yep.
1: many or any or Indianapolis or Minneapolis, I think, is um, I think this one in 23, I think it's going to be in Houston. Okay. Um, so you know, we played well done in Houston too, so that's you true. Know, who knows, but uh, all right, well, yeah, you know, we'll go ahead and get out of here. This one kind of ran a little bit long, probably just because it's so familiar to us with them, there being the two most recent title teams. But, uh, you know, yeah, we look forward to, to the season. It's right around the corner here. Um, I've been watching a lot of the scrimmages. So I think we're going to plan to jump back on at some point and kind of dissect those a little bit. Um, still have one or two guests in our back pockets that we're trying to kind of coordinate some time. So hopefully, uh, we can get them on pretty excited about that. Yeah. Don't want to drop any spoilers until we got, uh, till we make it official. You know, don't want to, don't want to assume anything. You know what that means, but, uh, basketball is right around the corner here. Um, you know, and as always, keep the verb high and the face is strong. go do.